Welcome to Cars, Trucks, and Bucks on TalkZone.com, the show that's dedicated to saving you money on buying and owning a vehicle. Now, here's your host, Rick Popley. Welcome to Cars, Trucks, and Bucks, where each week we help you make smarter choices about buying and owning a vehicle and save money. Hello, everyone. I'm Rick Popley, your host and proprietor. Glad you can join us. Do you think you should be able to buy a new car the same way that you buy a television, a refrigerator, or furniture, where the price is clearly marked and that's the price you pay, no negotiating necessary? Well, so do some dealers and others in the retail car business. And that is the topic for this week's show. A more transparent, low-pressure shopping experience seems to be gaining momentum among dealers. More dealers also are moving to a one-price, no-haggle car-buying approach. My first guest today will be Larry Molinax, a Ford dealer from Florida, who will explain why no-haggle pricing has worked at his family's dealerships for years. Later in the show, we will be joined by Dale Pollock, the founder of V-Auto, a company that provides pricing and inventory management tools for car dealers. He will talk about why more dealers should move to a transparent, low-hassle buying experience. But before we explore the world of one price, no negotiating car buying, here is this week's auto news you might be able to use. General Motors is creating a new family of fuel-efficient three- and four-cylinder engines that it will use globally. GM did not release mileage estimates for these new engines, but said they will be quieter and smoother than similar size engines offered by other car companies. Among the new engines will be a 1.5-liter four-cylinder, a turbocharged 1-liter three-cylinder, and a turbo 1.4-liter four-cylinder. These engines will show up in cars such as the Chevrolet Cruze, the Chevrolet Volt plug-in hybrid electric, and other smaller models in GM's lineup. They will appear first in China and Europe later this year and will probably be available in U.S. models starting in 2015. Last week, we told you that GM recalled 1.4 million vehicles in the U.S., for faulty ignition switches that could unexpectedly turn off the engine. GM knew the switches were faulty for more than a decade before it announced a recall in February. At least 12 deaths have been attributed to the faulty ignition switches. This week, GM Chief Executive Mary Barra, who became CEO in January, apologized for how GM handled the issue all those years and said she will take full responsibility for resolving it. She appointed GM safety engineer Jeff Boyer to a new position, vice president of global vehicle safety, to prevent similar issues in the future. GM also has hired a former federal prosecutor to conduct an internal investigation of how GM handled the faulty ignition switch. Toyota has agreed to pay $1.2 billion fine for misleading safety regulators and American consumers about two problems in Toyota vehicles that caused unintended acceleration. One involved floor mats that could wedge underneath the accelerator pedal, and the other was for sticky accelerator pedals that did not release when drivers took their foot off the pedal. Toyota agreed to pay the $1.2 billion fine, the largest ever for a safety-related issue, to settle a criminal investigation by the U.S. Justice Department. That investigation was launched after Toyota recalled millions of vehicles in 2009 and 2010 to fix the two accelerator pedal problems. At least five deaths were attributed to those problems. GM faces a similar federal investigation into the faulty ignition switches in its cars. Every manufacturer recalls vehicles for safety reasons, and vehicle owners are supposed to receive notices of those recalls through the mail. Sometimes, though, those notices don't arrive. 
No matter which brand of vehicle you drive, you can find out if any safety recalls cover your car or light truck by going to www.safercar.gov. That's the website for the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Again, that's safercar.gov. You can also contact your vehicle manufacturer or a dealer. You'll need your vehicle identification number to find out if any recalls pertain to your car or truck. And that is this week's auto news you might be able to use. Some people say that buying a new or used vehicle is as painful as a root canal procedure or causes as much discomfort as preparing for a colonoscopy. But it doesn't ha- it isn't that way at every dealership. At some the prices are clearly marked on vehicles and no negotiating is necessary. CarMax, the national used car chain for example, uses that approach at all of its used car stores and new car franchises. So do other dealers, including the Molinax Group which has four Ford dealerships in Florida and one in Mobile, Alabama. All five Molinax dealerships have a one-price policy they call upfront pricing, and those prices are posted on the windshield of every vehicle in stock. The principal owners of the Molinax Group are brothers Larry and Jerry Molinax, who followed their father in becoming car dealers. Their father, Ed Molinax is credited with starting one price selling of new vehicles nearly 40 years ago. Earlier this week, I spoke with Larry Molinax, who runs a Ford dealership in New Smyrna Beach, Florida. He talked about how that one price policy started, why it has worked for his dealerships, and why his customers like it. Here is a recording of that conversation. Larry, the uh, the Molinux Group has a long history of one price selling. What what motivated your father to start one price selling back? And I believe it was in the nineteen seventies. Yeah, it was actually nineteen seventy five. Uh, my dad one day came in on a weekend and said, "Let's just put our very best price, the lowest price we can sell a car for, on every window." Uh, they tried that for the weekend. Had an awesome weekend, their best uh, sales day to date, and just said this is a great way to sell cars, and the rest is kind of history. Back in the uh, 1990s, um, when General Motors started uh, the Saturn brand that had a one-price policy, at least around here in the Chicago area, that led a lot of other dealers to use that no-haggle approach as well for a while. And it uh, it seemed, at least around here, that many of those other dealers, and eventually Saturn, went back to a traditional approach. Yet you and, and your brother, your family, has continued to use one price. Why has it worked for you, you think, when it hasn't worked for others? I, I think it's just a commitment by uh, management to stay with it. Uh, my dad was... Uh, you know, pretty much said this is the way it's going to be. And uh, my brother and I, we grew up, this is the only way we know how to sell cars. So, you know, we've got it, uh, you know, very much in our beliefs that this is the only way to sell cars. So I think it's, it's management commitment more than anything else. It gets kind of tough when you got a customer coming in, you got no trade, and the guy says, for $100, I'll buy the car. It's, uh, for a lot of managers, it's tough to say, no, we're sticking to our best price. You mean a customer will come in and say, uh, and 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 kind of turn the tables and say, "Hey, if you knock a hundred or two hundred dollars off that price, I'll buy it right now." Well, that happens uh, every day in the car business, and uh, like I said, we try to put our best price right in the window. We give the customer every rebate they qualify. We discount the car uh, greatly, and uh, we're, we're trying to sell to the masses. In other words. Uh, there's a certain group of people that are going to always want to negotiate on car. They always want to be horse traders. Mm-hmm. That might be 30, 35% of the people. But if we're getting to 65, 70% of the people, they like doing it this way without the hassle, without the haggle, without the back and forth negotiations. That's the group of people we're going for. And we realize this isn't for everybody, but for a lot of, for most of our customers, it's the best way to go. Okay. You, you call it, I believe, upfront pricing. How does it, is that on both new and used vehicles and, uh, at your stores? 
Yes, and it's, uh, it's something we've trademarked, but it's on new and used. You are correct. Are your prices the lowest? Um, that's hard to say. Uh, we Every dealer buys every new car. We all pay the same price for the cars. Right. We put a, a very aggressive price on there, and we really can't afford to be, uh, you know, high on that end. We are very transparent, so anybody can go to our lot, see what we have a car price for. They can go online, see what we got a car price for. So we really can't afford to be, uh, you know, high priced in these things. So are we the very lowest? I don't know, but I do know it's a, it's a fair price, it's a discounted price, and it's a it's a great buying experience for the customer. Now, one of the things I noticed on your website is you say there there are no dealer fees. Now, here in Illinois, we don't have anything called a dealer fee per se. We have something called a documentary or doc fee, which is a maximum of $166. In Florida and Alabama, what's a dealer fee? I'm kind of the same way. You know, being up in Ohio, I think we had a max fee of $75 you could charge for title fees. Mm -hmm. Down here in uh, Florida and in Alabama, uh, it's kind of like the Wild West down here. These guys charge $800, $850 for a dealer fee. $800? Yes. Mercy. <laughs> and the reason they do that is so they can advertise a price either on the Internet or in the newspaper at a price that's really a price you can't buy the car for. I see. So it looks great on paper, and then in the, in the bottom line it says plus dealer fee. So uh, we compete against that every day. Uh, people hate it down here. It's a mm -hmm. hidden fee. Uh, it gets added at the very end of the deal, and people don't like it. So uh, a very big competitive advantage we have down here is we don't have a dealer fee. Now, on uh, uh, trade-ins, uh, of course, there's not a one price on a trade-in value. It depends on the individual vehicle, correct? Yeah, and, and we kind of look at it like this. You know, you're buying our car. We tell you our price right up front. You're selling your car. We're going to try to give you the very most we can possibly give for it. But the one thing we know about used cars, it's not an exact science. You know, you can look at books, and the books are guides. But uh, ultimately, you're selling your car. And uh, so, you know, we, we'll give you our very best price up front. And I'm not saying that we never uh, move on that price. We'll probably move, you know, $200, $500 if, if that's what it takes to make a deal. But uh, we're trying to come in with our best uh, trade appraisal right up front. Uh, one of the things that at most dealerships I think that that um, makes a lot of people nervous is going into the finance and insurance office or the the closing where you get presented with a lot of uh, products like extended warranties and uh, other uh, types of insurance policies. How do you present those to your customers? We do something kind of unique at our stores, and, and we got five stores, and what's kind of nice about this is we can experiment at different stores and try different things, but I can tell you at two of our stores, and mine being one of them, our salespeople take care of the uh, whole transaction from start to finish. So you're not going into this finance office where you meet somebody brand new that you haven't talked to yet, and you're starting all over trying to, uh, to meet that person and learn what the products are. So our salespeople handle it from start to finish. Um, as far as the finance products go, yeah, we'll present that every time. We present the customer menu. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically start out, Mr. Jones, uh, here's this fusion you just bought. Your, your payments are 250 a month. If you'd like to buy, uh, you know, extended service policy, if you'd like to buy a GAP product, here's what those payments would be. And then we just present the benefits of uh, buying those products. But it's, it's a menu thing. It's uh, very transparent. The customer makes a choice of whether he wants to go with that or not. It's a one, one price menu? In, in uh, Florida, uh, I'll say this: we have, uh, and, and I like it. Um, our our uh, like our extended service plans are state regulated, so every Ford dealer has to sell the same product for the same price, and uh, those pr those prices are set by the uh, state. Oh, really? Wow! And, and that's very different. In Ohio, it was all over the board. You could you could charge right. whatever you wanted for. And then on the uh, interest rate front. What we will do is we won't negotiate the rate. We'll give you the rate. And uh, as you know, uh, the rate you get is very much based on what your credit is. And then we, uh, we present that interest rate. Um, we will shop rates for you. So, for instance, if one bank comes in and they can get you a 5.9% and another bank, and based on your credit, you qualify for a 3.9, uh, we will we'll shop that for you and give you, give you those options. So we don't negotiate the rate, but we can, we can give you various options as far as what banks you can use and get the best, uh, best offers with. So do you mark up the interest rate above what your buy rate is? 
Yes, we do. We have to pause here for a short break, but stay tuned. When we come back, we will continue our discussion of one-price, no-hagel car buying with Larry Molinex of Molinex Ford, a one-price dealership in New Smyrna Beach, Florida. Welcome back to Cars, Trucks, and Bucks on TalkZone.com. Here's Rick Popley. Welcome back, everyone. We are talking about one price, no negotiating car buying today. My first guest is Larry Molinex, one of the owners of the Molinex Group, which has five Ford dealerships in Florida and Alabama. All five dealerships have one price policies they call upfront pricing. Their website is MolinexFord.com. I spoke with Larry by phone earlier this week, and we will now return to that taped interview. We're talking with Larry Molinex of the Molinex Group, a group of dealerships in Florida and Alabama that uses a one-price selling policy and has for years. Larry, the uh, in the car business in particular and sales in general, salespeople thrive on a commission-based uh, environment, very competitive. In your dealership, do you pay commission to your salespeople or a flat rate? Pay a flat rate, and that way the uh, salesperson uh, is really on the customer's side when we're making the deal. So in other words, at a traditional store, the more you make in that customer, the bigger your commission is. Right. At our store, we pay these guys flats, and then they get unit, unit bonuses for selling you know, certain levels of cars. If they sell 11, they get so many. If they sell 15, they get so much more. So it's more a unit-based thing. And so what that means, if I sell a car and I happen to make $2,000 on one car, and I have another car that uh, is old and I'm losing $500 on, the salesman is going to make the same commission, um, and he's just going to try to find the right car for the customer based on their budget and their needs. Now, uh, how do you attract good salespeople? Because one of the things I've heard from dealers uh, as to why they don't use a one-price flat fee uh, payment to their salespeople is because uh, the better salesmen, they want more money. They're in it for the money. And if you can't tell them that you're going to be able to make $100,000, they're not interested. Uh, we, we can generate the same kind of money here, but we're very much based on volume. So uh, our guys typically sell more cars than at a traditional store. So just the volume itself uh, will will certainly get into the same type of pay levels. Okay. And, and another reason that I've heard dealers say as to why they uh, drop to one price or, or don't go to it is because when they're up front uh, in giving, like you are, like giving a, a, a price right away, the lowest price, the customer now has a target uh, to take to other dealers, and another dealer can look at that and say, I'll beat that by 50 or 100 bucks. And the original dealer, the one who was up front about it, never sees that customer again. Do you run into that? You think about it, it can happen the same way if you're at a negotiating store. One year you get your price, I'm going to go down the road and see if that guy can beat it by 50 bucks. It's the same deal. And In reality, uh, most people have a trade-in involved. Mm-hmm. Most people are going to finance. So really what it gets down to is, the, like my dad likes to say, the price you pay is the payment you pay. You know, regardless of the little bits and pieces of a, of a deal, you know, here's how much I'm paying for the car, here's how much, how much I'm getting in rebates, here's how much I'm getting in trade. It really comes down to what is that payment, and, and that's really what you need to compare. Take that payment and take that MSRP in that car. Those are the two things that you can't mess with, and uh, that's how you really go shopping if you if you, uh, if you want to go shopping. In our case, we have tremendous uh, repeat business. Uh, people trust us. Um, the way we sell cars, uh, if you're a first-time buyer, or you're, you know, a big negotiator from New York. It's uh, either way that customer gets the same price right up front. So uh, you mentioned this earlier too that there are apparently are some some car buyers that uh, that like the horse trading negotiating aspect as much as some dealers do. Uh, they do. <laughs> One of the uh, there used to there was a book years ago, and I and I think there may be a, be a, a website. 
titled How to Beat the Car Salesman at His Own Game, which I thought was the worst advice ever to send an amateur in to try to beat a professional. <laughs> this guy does it every day. You know, you're right. Yeah. So what do your customers say they like about doing business at, uh, at Mullinex Ford? Um, they like the, uh, the transparency. They like the... Uh, they really like the, the salesperson handle from start to finish. Uh, they built that rapport with that person. Uh, you know, typically by the time you, this is this is a major purchase that, that somebody's making here. So they like the fact that uh, you know you're spending an hour, two hours, three hours with that person, finding the right car, getting the right payment, getting finance, doing all the paperwork, getting the whole car explained to you. Uh, they like the fact that the guy takes it right from the beginning to the end. Mm-hmm. And our uh, our surveys, our customer surveys, are are uh, typically higher than group average because people like the process. Okay. We're, we're talking with Larry Molnex of Molnex Ford, a one-price car dealer in New Smyrna Beach, Florida. That's in the Daytona Beach area. And the Molnex Group also owns Ford dealerships elsewhere in Florida and Mobile, Alabama. And uh, when, when, with customers today, um, I would think with the Internet that they do have access to a lot more Information when they come to a dealership. What are the types of things that are important? You mentioned transparency. Is time a factor, or are they looking for a simple, straightforward process? What, what are they asking for? Well, time is a factor, and then I think the other big factor is people just want to make sure they don't pay too much. Mm-hmm. And hence, you got the uh, people that go out there and they try to find out what dealer invoices are, and they go to uh, places like True Car and and uh, I think there's some other services out there that tell you what, what you should pay for a car. But, um, and, and, and we're the same way. We, we just try to, to, to lay it all out there for the customer, and we're going to put a very good price on the car right up front. The other thing we're going to do is we're going to take uh, the, the incentives from the factory are very, very, very complicated. So what we try to do is get to the bottom line right away. So that price you see in our window includes all dealer discounts and all factory incentives. You know, the, the normal math in this thing, the dealer discount, and then you got this rebate and that rebate and that rebate. We just try to get very, very simple and, and uh, show the customer the best price on the window. Uh, if you think about the way we sell cars, it's really how you buy about everything else in your life. You know, you go to the grocery store, and if you want to, you can compare different types of spaghetti or cereal or whatever. You, you do the same thing here, and uh, it's, a, it's, it's the way people used to buying cars. They used to buy things, I should say. It uh, it does seem like the retail car business is evolving uh, in the direction of one price. I mean, not every um, you're by no you're not unique in the United States for having a one price uh, dealership, but there are some of those. But it's also it seems as if there's less negotiating in which uh, dealers put prices online. Uh, their General Motors has a sale going on this month in which they post the uh, prices online nationally and if you look at dealer sites they're the same is the is the uh, retail car business heading towards more towards a one price policy um, it could be but uh, I, I think you still got plenty of dealers that have grown up uh, old school so to speak and uh, it's going to be hard to get them away from uh, the past where they've done things, but I, I think the the new progressive uh, dealers will be the ultimate winners in this game. And why is that? Why do you think that? I just think it's a it's a better way to buy a car. I think it's more customer friendly, and um, you know I, I think it's uh, I think the majority of people like 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 the way we do it. Okay, it, it it's. Um it is somewhat unusual to uh, shop for a car in comparison to uh, a lot of other consumer products because you simply do have, uh, with whatever else you buy, say whether it's a, a, a lawnmower or a television, the price is up front, and that's the price you're going to pay. Um, it would seem that, uh, to me, that eventually... The car business would have to do something similar, but you're saying that you still think there would be a lot of dealers who will do it the traditional way? 
I do. I mean, you, you look at uh, our industry magazines, and, and uh, you got people talking about Foursquare, and you've probably heard of that terminology. Where yes, that's still around, huh? You concentrate in the payment, you concentrate in this, whatever the hot buttons are for mm-hmm. the customer, and you know you get them upset at first, and you bring them back down, and, and uh, you know that that's going to be out there for uh, for a long, long time. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's uh, I got a lot of dealer friends, and there's all different ways to do the business, uh, but. You know, some of these guys, they're, they're still, uh, they think that's the right way to do it. And, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not saying uh, uh, their way is the, the best or the worst, but I'm just saying the way we do it, we're very comfortable with. You're uh, among uh, other dealers. Are, are you regard, regarded as something of an outlier, or, or how do they look at you because of your uh, no-haggle price approach? Um, I, I think they just look at us as a, as a competitor. You know, it's uh, everybody's got something they do different. Uh, some guys offer lifetime guarantees in their car. Some guys offer free loaners for every. Sometimes guys offer lifetime car washes. Everybody's got their own little brand they're trying to build, and, and this is our brand. Right. I, I, I don't think a lot of uh, consumers realize how competitive uh, the retail car business is and how hard it is for dealers to find and win customers. But uh, you've done it with uh, a one-price, customer-friendly approach. If in the future more car dealers take a similar approach, what will be the Molnix point of difference? How will you stand out from the herd of dealers? Well, I think we'll be uh, ahead of the game. You know, there's a, there's a big learning curve selling cars this way, and uh, you know, you got a lot of people who've been in the business for a long time, so they might catch up, but I think it's going to be a, a long process. And and I will say this: um, the way we sell cars, we are the largest private Ford retailer in the state of Florida. We got four stores down here. Uh, we sell, you know, as far as dealer groups or whatever. So I think that says a lot about customers like the way we sell sell cars. And, and the other thing I would uh, caution your listeners on, and it's, it's a bigger deal down here than it is up your way, but uh, these internet prices, we'll put our price out there, and a lot of these guys I've told you about dealer fees, they will uh, not disclose those any place. So you go to an auto trader or cars.com, not disclose that anywhere. And in a newspaper, it'll be in a, in a very fine print. So um, especially in our market, we always have to bring that up and, and make that uh, make the customer aware of that. And sometimes that's pretty hard to do. Hmm. Okay. And, um, well, uh, we've been talking with Larry Mullinex of the Mullinex Group of dealerships in Florida and Alabama on one price selling. And, Larry, it seems to have uh, worked well for, for your group and wish you the best of luck in the future. Thank you so much. All right. Appreciate you taking the time. No problem. All right. So long. That was an interview recorded earlier this week with Larry Molinex of Molinex Ford, a one-price dealership in New Smyrna Beach, Florida. We have to take another break, and when we come back, we will be joined live by phone by Dale Pollock, the founder of V-Auto, a company that makes inventory management and pricing tools for new and used car dealers. Stay with us. Now, more cars, trucks, and bucks on TalkZone.com with your host, Rick Popley. Welcome back, everyone. We are talking about one price, no negotiating car buying today. We are now joined on the phone by Dale Pollock, founder of V-Auto, which makes inventory management and pricing tools used by new and used car dealers. Dale is the author of three books on managing used car sales, a frequent commentator on the retail auto business, and a prolific blogger on his website, dalepollock.com. Welcome to the show, Dale. Thank you very much, Rick. Glad you could be here with us today. And, and Dale, just to start, could you just explain what your company, V-Auto, does and how it helps dealers? Sure. As you mentioned, we provide software tools that allow dealers to know uh, what vehicles to stock, how much to pay for those vehicles and how to price those vehicles. And the way we do that is that we have little bots or spiders that crawl the Internet and find every new and used vehicle for sale on the Internet and uh, knows uh, when they come, knows when they go, and know how they're priced and the time 
between their last price and their sales. So what we're able to do technologically is to quantify supply, demand, and price sensitivity and using that data, um, helping dealers know, you know, what cars are in highest demand and mm-hmm. whether they should price that car uh, with a little profit or some profit or a lot of profit based on its supply and demand. So you're, you're adding some science to what has uh, traditionally been more art. Exactly. Okay. And, and you know, on your website and elsewhere, I've seen you encourage dealers to adopt a more efficient, lower hassle sales experience. And why do you think this is where the retail auto business is headed? Well, there's no question of two facts. Number one, uh, today's buyers, primarily uh, the Gen Y buyers, uh, when surveyed, tell you that what they want is not necessarily the best deal, but a fair deal. Hmm. And what they all say consistently is that they want it without hassle. So any uh, intelligent, progressive automotive retailers, such as Larry Mullinex and others, who understand what their buyers want um, are going to be rewarded for giving buyers what they want. But there is something uh, a bit more subtle that is also going on, and that is that dealers' margins are being compressed. You've already noted how uh, it's it's really unknown and surprising to many consumers how little money dealers actually make on these vehicles. Right, right. You know, you know uh, excuse me, Larry uh, Mullinex told me off the air that uh, on the cheapest version of the Ford Fiesta, the difference between dealer invoice and suggested retail is $190. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's crazy, and a lot of consumers believe that, well, there's other money that dealers get, and, mm-hmm. and sometimes there might be, but very often there's not. So with a ridiculously small amount of margin, dealers need to find ways to sell and deliver vehicles to consumers at a lower cost. And to be sure, one of those very costly elements of the sale process is, is the negotiation. Um, you have to have a certain type of salesperson who typically is high paid, who can negotiate, who wants to negotiate. You have to have managers who supervise those people. It, it's, it's a really burdensome hmm. uh, process that costs a lot of money. So, so the ability to offer vehicles uh, or offer uh, vehicles to consumers at a no haggle, no hassle price not only delivers to consumers what they want, but also uh, provides dealership a certain efficiency that they need. Hmm. I don't think that uh, that's something that's widely apparent, what you just pointed out there about the cost of actually doing business the traditional way. Correct. Do you, now, do you see that uh, the retail car business is headed more to like a one-price, no-haggle uh, uh, model, such as Larry Molinex uses, or something uh, differently in which there's less negotiations or... or uh, um, a firmer price, I guess, is what I'm saying, rather than a solid price. Which do you see? Well, here's what's happening. Dealers today are becoming aware of the fact that they have to price vehicles online uh, rationally in order to see uh, enough customers to sell enough cars to pay their bills. They're, they're all coming around to that degree of understanding. So that's step one. Step two is once a dealer comes to that understanding, Eventually, hopefully sooner rather than later, they're going to figure out that once they've gotten the customer to the dealership on a price of a vehicle that's fair, they simply cannot do as much negotiation as they once did. Hmm. In some cases, they may not be able to do any negotiation at all. So to be sure, without question, whether dealers realize it or not or consumers realize it or not, there is less negotiation going on. It's inevitable as dealers come to the conclusion that they have the price right. But taking it to the step that Larry Mullinex uh, has it, it is something completely different. The the absolute no negotiation is a selling pro is a selling approach that is being used by a relatively small number of dealers today. Um, in the future, there will certainly be more of them. But it's a complete culture of selling cars, hmm. and and there are no exceptions to it. And and Larry Mullinex does it as brilliantly as it is being done anywhere. And it's a culture of selling cars. So um, will dealers eventually all get to that point? I believe eventually they will, but it will be, and it is, in fact, a slow road. Now, you, you, you mentioned that it's not enough for dealers to go on, on their Internet, their website, and post MSRP anymore. I mean, they have to actually 
put something of a discount in the prices they now post online? Good question. Um, if you go on the internet and look at used vehicle pricing, mm-hmm. you will see vehicles listed for sale on the internet that are fairly well discounted um, to consumers. However, when you look at new vehicles on the internet today, and this will change soon, but today when you look at new vehicles on the internet, uh, if they have a price, it is overwhelmingly the case that they are the MSRP manufacturer suggested retail price, not a discounted price. Hmm. So one might ask, why is it that the internet environment today is uh, much more skewed towards rational pricing on used than it is on new? And the answer, um, as Larry Monolak alluded to in his interview, has to do with the complexity of the rebates. Um, the rebates are so varied, there's so many, they're so complicated, uh-huh. dealers themselves often can't figure them out, let alone post them on the internet, then they change and they would have to repost it. The disclaimers that, that are, are compliant with the state regulations are hard to understand. So it's very difficult for dealers to post a new car price on the internet, anything other than MSRP. Uh, in the case of these rebates, uh, uh, am I correct that in some cases there's a, an across-the-board rebate, but if you finance through the, say, Ford Motor Credit or, or uh, Honda Finance Company, there's maybe another rebate or discount. Is that right? Well, yes, you are right, but it would be a nice world if it were just that simple. Uh, <laughs> generally speaking, Rebates fall into a number of different categories. Uh, there are customer rebates that apply to all customers. There is what are, is called dealer incentive money, which is uh, generally money that's paid to dealers uh, for selling the vehicle mm-hmm. that very often the consumer is not aware of, but often they get the benefit of. And those dealer but incentives can go up as they sell more cars, correct? Correct. Those the, oh. the, That flavor is called stair-step dealer incentives. But mm-hmm. yet there's other uh, categories. Another one is what is called conditional uh, rebates, which means that if you happen to be a military person or a college grad or a present owner of certain makes or models, conditionally, if you meet certain criteria, then you might qualify for yet another flavor of, of rebate money. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, as you mentioned, if you finance and beyond that, if you lease. And, and very often, there might be as many as 10 to 15 uh, rebate programs of various types available on a vehicle, but they're not all compliant with each other. If you use one, you can't use others. Right. And the complexity for dealers and the lack of uh, pricing on the Internet other than MSRP for new dealers. Okay, so so basically the the bottom, the, the low price, lowest price you can get is going to depend on who you are and what you're doing when you buy the car. Very often that is the case, yes. Okay, so, so I shouldn't, people shouldn't look at the prices posted online by dealers is just uh, smoke screens. Correct. Okay. Correct. All right. Now, um, uh, have car shoppers become uh, become more aggressive in in price shopping, or have they become lazier? Because it's very simple now, just to push a few buttons on a smartphone and get some prices. I mean, uh, is 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 uh, do car shoppers really dig deep? And, and find out what they need to know? Well, it's interesting. Uh, before the Internet, uh, the first phase of the car buying process was one where consumers would learn about the vehicles, collect information, gain knowledge about the various different alternative vehicles that they might consider. And the only way that they had of getting that knowledge other than reading sort of buff magazines would mm-hmm. be to go out and visit dealerships, ask questions, you know, be recipients of sales pitches, do their own comparison on foot from dealership to dealership. Well, today, uh, much of that is being done on the Internet. Um, it's much more efficient uh, to do it on the Internet. So the phase of the car buying process of, of learning and acquiring knowledge is not being done in the physical realm. Uh, it's being done in the virtual realm. Mm. The, the, the negotiation of the deal um, is today being done in the dealership. However, what we will see in the future, and it already is beginning to happen, you can see signs of it, is there are new tools and technologies that are being offered by dealerships to do much, if not all, of the negotiation process um, um, virtually from the home or the office. Uh, to follow that will be the arrangement and the uh, conclusion of the consummation of the financing. So it's all coming online. 
And, and generally speaking, uh, that's changing the nature of the carbine process. But specifically to your question, are these buyers today more aggressive? Are they more lazy? I think the Gen Y buyer, unlike perhaps the, their uh, parents or grandparents, I think are less about getting the absolute lowest deal. And I think really they'll, they'll trade off um, a lot of the effort if they just know that they have a fair deal. And, and if, if that, you know, portends them as being a bit lazier, um, perhaps you could do it that way. But I think really it's, it's a pretty reasonable trade-off. Just give me a fair deal and don't make it hard for me is what they're saying. Which I think you can see when they buy, uh, you know, their favorite product now is a smartphone, it seems. And, you know, the prices are, are pretty much uniform. When Apple comes out with a new iPhone, you know you're paying X amount of dollars and people stand in line for them. So, I mean, if they really want something, I see your point. They're, they're yeah. not, they'll pay for it if they really want it. Yes, but, you know, I, I, I listened to your interview with, with Larry and, and, you know, you talked about, you know, why, you sort of alluded to the fact, why can't these dealers just offer a car at a price? And when it comes to the new car, the reason that they can't do that once again is mm-hmm. the complexity and the conditionality of rebate. Right. Yeah. So and, and 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 for that, we really have to look to the manufacturers and ask them the critical question: Why do you do that? Because <laughs> the, much, the much more rational approach would be just lower the price of the car in, instead of in, in, instead of you know being sort of manipulative and secretive with all these you know rebate gimmicks. Right. We have to pause for uh, one more break here, and uh, when we come back, we'll continue our discussion with Dale Pollock of V-Auto about the future of car buying. Please stay with us. This is Cars, Trucks, and Bucks on TalkZone.com. Back to Rick Popley. Welcome back, everyone. My guest today is Dale Pollock, the founder of V-Auto, and we're talking about the future of car buying and price negotiating. If you have a question or comment for Dale, call us at 888-463-6748. Again, that is 888 888- Four six three six seven four eight. Dale, before the break, you mentioned uh, a couple of times that a lot of car shoppers, especially Gen Y, aren't necessarily looking for the absolute lowest price. They want a fair price and a transparent experience. Along those lines, there are some third-party price services. Uh, True Car, I think, is the major one, and and they. Uh, can connect a consumer with a dealer for a set price through organizations. I think Consumer Reports use them, uh, uses them maybe Costco or AAA. Edmunds.com has what they call a price promise, which is the same thing where a dealer will give you a set price uh, pretty much up front. Is this um, a pretty big part of the industry now? Are dealers embracing this? Um, they are, and probably the leading of those services that you mentioned is uh, the oldest and most established service, Kelly Blue Book uh, wow. or KVB.com. They have what they call fair purchase price. But, yes, these are services uh, available to consumers that I think are very worthwhile. Uh, a consumer can take a lot of the aggravation and uncertainty out of the car buying experience. If they first visit one of those sites, mm-hmm. uh, they will acquire a, a fairly good uh, understanding of, of a fair range of a purchase price. I think I would be a little bit uh, careful as a consumer about um, having uh, that site or that service refer me to a dealer because sometimes there are certain economic arrangements between um, a site that might do that and a dealer. And if I'm a consumer somehow, some way that's going to, I'm sure that cost is going to end up on me. Well, but, they are uh, referral services uh, primarily, are they not, uh, just connecting consumers to dealers? Well, some of the ones that you mentioned are referral services, and mm-hmm. others are just simply uh, trusted third-party independent sources. And yeah. I guess that's the distinction that I want to be careful to okay. make. As a consumer, I think they should understand whether 
uh, that site that's giving them guidance somehow is connected with the dealer and, and the referral, you know, will we'll do that for you. If, if the site just simply shows you dealers that have a car like that, that's one thing. But if they try and direct you to a specific dealership, that's where my antenna would go up. Okay. Good advice. Uh, and probably should check more than one source if you can. Sure. Yeah. Why have uh, uh, most dealers, I think I'm safe in saying most dealers, been reluctant to change from the traditional selling practices? Well, probably because the traditional selling practices made them uh, very successful for a very long time. You know, the, the car buying business has been around for, you know, over 100 years, mm-hmm. and the Internet has only been around, you know, really for a bit more than a decade. <laughs> And in, in the pre-internet environment, uh, the dealer uh, had all the information, the shopper had little, and it's kind of sad but understandable to say that the dealer perfected selling um, strategies that optimized that imbalance of information. Today, obviously, as a result of the internet and the transparency of it, consumers have a lot more information, and you know, dealers are, are struggling to give up the old that worked so well for so long in, in favor of the new. But to be clear, there is a tremendous movement in the industry uh, to do just that. I think the movement first uh, evidenced itself in the used car arena uh, as a result of technology such as V-Auto and others that, that brought the transparency to, to the dealer that the consumer had through the Internet. And now we're doing that on the new car side with our latest product that's called Conquest, And I think over time, you will now see more and more new cars being advertised in a more fair price or one price manner. uh, That will be a good thing for everybody involved. You know, uh, uh, since you've mentioned this a couple times about how the um, upfront pricing has been uh, more prevalent in the used car market, I can think back 15 years ago, in fact, my brother sold used cars where they didn't post any prices on the cars. Well, well, clearly, uh, before the Internet, the the abuses uh, to the consumer were greatest on the used car because the used car, unlike the new car, everyone is really very unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, new cars are, are really true commodities. They're, they can be replicated identically from one dealer to another, but... In the case of the used car, you could never find another one just like it, or it wasn't easy to find one. Well, now the Internet comes along, and you know what? You'd be hard-pressed to to show me any used car, given its condition and mileage and equipment and color, that I couldn't find multiples of the Internet Mm. on the Internet. So so the the uniqueness that was there and the uniqueness that has since been taken away by the Internet really has created that contrast from being one of the most abusive um, um, sales arenas to one of the cleanest today, actually. Hmm. Can car dealers make as much or more money with a more transparent approach as they could with sticking with a traditional? Well, here's what I think is the reality. I think that uh, today and in the future, it's going to be difficult for dealers to make on a cost, uh, on an inflation cost-adjusted basis as much money as they used to in the past. Oh. Um, but you know, so reframing that question and saying, in today's environment, uh, does a dealership who uh, offers a transparent sales process, is, is he or she capable of making more money than a dealer today doing it the traditional way? Mm-hmm. And the clear answer is absolutely yes. Uh-huh. Uh, they will still sell more cars because consumers will reward them for having that transparent experience. And as I alluded to earlier, their cost of doing business will be less. What will happen to uh, the dealers who don't want to change? Uh, the dealers who don't want to change are going to go away, and <laughs> and they already are going away. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to see a uh, gone out of business sign on their door, although you have seen that. We'll continue to see that. But more times than not, what's happening, and it's not very visible to consumers, is that the uh, privately owned, family-owned dealership is no longer the family-owned dealership. It's sold out to a bigger, more efficient group. Uh, and 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 there's a very strong trend of the family-owned dealership going the way of the family-owned farm in America. So they're becoming corporate dealerships, like they're becoming corporate farms. They are, and 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 the, and once again, the reason for that is that the corporate uh, environments are generally more efficient. 
they have lower costs of capital, and generally the bigger groups uh, understand and are more willing to con- give consumers that transparent experience that they're asking for. You know, one of the things that uh, uh, I found interesting recently is that uh, Mike Jackson, the head of Auto Nation, which is the largest chain of new car dealerships in the United States, I don't know how many they have, it's probably in the hundreds of dealerships, said that because of the volume of business they do, they can arrange loans for consumers, arrange, uh, borrow money at lower rates than your local neighborhood dealer. Well, I, there's truth to that. Um, you know, the, the, the perception that dealers, large dealers, uh, have, have tried to uh, convey to the public is because of their size, they can buy cars cheaper. Mm-hmm. And that's no. really not true. That, that's really not true. Right. But, but there are uh, economy or, uh, you know, scales of economy uh, that, um, that do work for large group of dealers. So as Mike Jackson, Jackson says, he can probably negotiate a lower cost of money for loans than perhaps a mom and pop can. The business, the retail car business is changing pretty rapidly, it sounds like, Dale. You think? <laughs> <laughs> I would say it's, it's changed more in the last 10 years than it has in the previous 90 years. Actually, you know, I don't know if there's anybody who's going to start a tag day for dealers, but when you have to sink millions of dollars into a dealership, um, they're at some risk here, aren't they? Well, let me assure you, it is not easy to be a car dealer. Okay. Uh, when you really stop and think about the amount of investment that a car dealer mm-hmm. has to make, the amount of loans that they have to take to finance their inventory, the number of employees that they have to pay, um, and, and to sell a, you know, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollar vehicle, and make less than a thousand dollars, which is truly the case in, in, in a large part of the industry. I have to tell you, that's a very difficult business. It's a business of terribly low margins. Here's a statistic that I think consumers would be well advised to understand is that the average, uh, profit as a percentage of total sales for a car dealer, the average in America right now is about two and a half percent. You'd be hard pressed to find too many other retail industries in America today that has a net margin that is anywhere that small as 2.5% against their top line. Okay. So you know you're dealing with an industry with razor-thin margins and very, very high fixed costs. So, you know, consumers should really respect the fact that uh, dealers, you know, are highly invested and they're in a very low-margin business, and it's a very uh, very tenuous business. Okay. Dale Pollock, thank you much for taking the time to talk with us today. My pleasure, Rick. Thank you. Appreciate it. That was Dale Pollock, the founder of V-Auto, and you can find out more about him and V-Auto at dalepollock.com. And that is all the time we have for this week's episode of Cars, Trucks, and Bucks. Next week, we will explore another topic related to buying and owning a vehicle and try to help you make smarter choices and save money. Thanks again to today's guests, Larry Molinax of Molinax Ford and Dale Pollock of V-Auto. And thanks to you for listening. This is Rick Popley saying... Be careful out there and watch out for the other guy. So long, everyone.